Hello and welcome to Forgotten Fantasy, a podcast that showcases J.G. Mitchell's selected works. I hope you enjoy. Part 6, Chapter 2 The Demeter landed at the spaceport just outside Hattery Mare. Lido risk restoration, here I come, the ship said. Only places ships like ours will get it these days, John muttered. It's who you know, Demeter said, and checked ship systems as Demeter powered down. She had nothing to say about the state of Menendek or anything else to do with the Kuan Jauhau. At first, Anne had refused to come to the funeral, but John insisted. With the way he had gone from his usual quiet self to broody silence since they left March, he was either sunk in the couch with a drink in his hand or sorting and cleaning Andre's keach collection over and over. Maybe the funeral would put his obsession to bed. Anne left the control room for the bathroom. She had felt queasy from before they had started the landing. The illness had returned after Tanchi left. Fevers on and off. At least in the last month she had stopped throwing up. John was so into himself that he hadn't noticed, which was good. She seemed to feel a bit better when she slit the throat of one of the animals and drained it of blood. They were all gone now, perhaps the reason for the turn of, return of the queasiness. She dry-heaved into the toilet, then splashed water on her face. She stared at herself in the mirror. Dark smudged under her eyes, and she had an unhealthy pallor. Anne's mouth bothered her as well. Her canine teeth hurt, and they seemed longer. With the little she could keep down, maybe she had scurvy. Anne, a package has come for you, Demeter said. It's from Tonchi, and the messenger won't leave. Couldn't Tonchi leave it alone? Anne walked to the airlock of the ship. The soldier, obviously an imperial guard, bowed low and held out a small package with both hands. Anne took it and was polite enough to bow back. She ran a finger along the sealed side of the parcel, pulled out an elegantly wrapped box and opened it. A calligraphy-covered sheet of beige paper was folded around something hard and round. Anne unfolded the paper. Fire flickered within a red jewel. It's a starfire. It's beautiful, Demeter said and rare. Anne bit her lip as she stared down at the calligraphy, another stupid poem to throw in a drawer. The soldier recited in careful standard. The red star fell past the blood moons. I followed it from afar and made a wish. Will it come true? No, it won't, Anne said. She placed the jewel and the poem back in the box. The box back in the package and handed it back to the soldier. The guard looked as if he might say something but bowed and salaamed, then left. It's so romantic. How can you do that to Tanchi, Demeter said. I'm sure he sends poems and gifts to women all over Menendez, Anne said. I don't have to fall for it. Chanting and incense filled the temple. Time had blunted the edge of their grief. Nothing could match the terrible day of Andre's cremation. Tanchi performed the funeral duties. His solemn face and actions were remote and impassive as befit a kuang. John spent the service staring not at Andre's urn, but at Tonchi. John's face, hunched soldiers, whitened knuckles, echoed their father's just before one of his rages. The urn was placed in the royal mausoleum. The scent of flowers and panja filled the air. The vampires used the leafy cemetery as a park. The faraway sounds of barking dogs and playing children wafted reminders of life out around the service. The ceremony finished. John chatted solemnly with several people from the human settlement, including Mother Mary. 
As Anne wandered away among the gravestones, she heard laughs and groans, and new people remembered on her. Her eyes filled with tears. Anne walked down a gravel path. It was lined on each side with marble columns and conifer trees commemorating the dead Kuwans. She wandered to the center of a wheel of paths to where an ancient granite gray mausoleum loomed, home of the ashes of the first Kuwan. He was a member of Clan Mu, so the usurpers had claimed. Fresh chrysanthemums lay at the entrance to the crypt. Anne turned to wandering among the flat stones of the Wu clan. The grass around the old graves remained trimmed and tidy. She bent down, brushed some leaves off a slab, and read the Menendek as best she could. Tanchi had taught her a few words and the numbers. The dates showed a time span of hundreds of years, some up to a thousand. She couldn't believe it. Maybe she misread the numbers. Can I give you a ride back to Demeter? Tanchi said behind her. Anne jumped. Someone should tell him. Someone should bell him, the bothersome cat. Her heart lurched. She shrugged. Sure. They walked out of the imperial wheel, neither touching nor talking. It got awkward. Anne noticed he wore a translator on his bed. I was looking at those gravestones, Anne said. I don't think I have the numbers right. It looks like the people are hundreds of years old. I have seen 300 name days, Tanchi said. Our year is close to a standard year. But Maru said he was 26 years old. He is. We aren't fertile for the first couple of hundred years. Oh, humans live a hundred years, if they're lucky. I know. They walked through an area of small white stones commemorating soldiers, including the pilots lost in the space of March whose bodies had never been recovered, to an old cemetery road. Several imperial guards lounged by a sedan. A long, low, black sports car also sat there. A thin red stripe ran down its side, and two small blood moons were stenciled on the front of the hood. Tanchi beamed as he brought Anne to it. He showed her the engine. The car's lunar powered, he said. See how small the panels are on the hood? The pistons approach perpetual motion, and the designers leap the barrier. Fleeter Mouse is sentient like Demeter, the latest generation of machines. Say hello, Fleeter Mouse. Hello, Mistress Anne Turberville, the card said in an accentless male voice. Anne feigned disinterest, though the car fascinated her. Nice. Tanchi slammed down the hood. He opened the passenger door for her and got into the other side. No controls interrupted the smooth, dark red of the car's dashing interior. Soft, lilting Menendek music played. The car sped away in a trail of dust and gravel, mourners turning and staring as he roared out of the cemetery gates. The car zipped down the road, weaving through the light traffic. Anne tensed every time they passed a car. Once they flew up in the air, passing over a vehicle coming the other way. Don't you have speed limits, she said. I'm the Kuwang Jaha. That's the most irresponsible thing I've ever heard. You of all people shouldn't be above the law. Are you telling me how to drive? He grinned at her. His smile seduced. I'm not above the law. I fix the car so I know when a speed sensor comes up. Doesn't work when a live cop cops around. I've had a few tickets. The police like nothing better than to give one to the Kuwang, Jiaohao, their power trip for the night. He laughed, and to prove the point, the car decelerated as it passed a nondescript highway marker. Anne scowled. The jerking and swaying made her feel sick. Stop weaving. Stop telling me how to drive. I can tell you if I want to, she shouted. 
His inconsiderateness infuriated her. Anne hissed and bared her fangs. Tanchi almost drove off the road. He managed to control himself, slowed the car, and pulled in beside a large field of barley. The sedans pulled in behind them, Cedar Mouse beat telling the other cars and the guards everything was all right. Open your mouth, Tanchi said. I can't believe this. How did this happen? What? Anne said. You have fangs. The smell of a freshly plowed furrow washed through the car. Anne stared at him. They locked eyes, the car's windows darkened so no one could see inside. Tanchi raised a hand as if to ward her off, then collapsed back into his seat, his lovely green eyes shining up with the look of the dead, his beautiful white throat. Anne adored him. The blood madness rose in her. She leaned down and nibbled. A rivulet of blood trickled down his neck. Anne licked it. She sank her fangs and sucked. He drank deep, heaven. She possessed him. He awoke from her inexperienced mesmerize, his eyes deep, dark, and still. No, my love, you've taken too much. You can't have all of me, he murmured. He placed his fingers between her mouth and his neck, breaking the seat. He seemed different, controlled by some ancient instinct. Tanchi pulled her to him and sank his fangs in, his, in her neck. Anne returned to his throat. They clung together, locked in bloodthirsty embrace, cleansing away her humanity. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, if you'd like a full copy of the book, head on over to our Patreon at, at patreon.com slash forgotten fantasy. Tools are facebook.com slash forgotten fantasy and our Twitter account is at Bronnie the Bard. Uh, Bronnie the Bard also streams live, um, although I've been taking a hiatus from live streaming, but I hope to get back to it again in the near future. And uh, thanks again for listening. Bye-bye and take care now.